second nature to the fellow. This visual sampling might have been something that Frances Cleary could have overlooked. Her husband, after all, couldn't be expected to walk around Cambridge with blinders on, and Cambridge, in the summer, brought out fine ladies like mayflies looking for barbecues. But when he took to spending long evenings in the college pub, entertaining their classmate Polly Simpson with tales of everything from his childhood spent on a farm in Vermont to his years in Nam, where, according to Sam, he saved his entire platoon single-handedly. Well, that was too much for Francis. Not only was Polly young enough to be Sam's granddaughter, and then some, she was, if you'll pardon the expression, drop-dead gorgeous, and blonde, and curvy, in a way that poor Francis hadn't been even in her glory days. So, when the night before the day in question saw Sam Cleary and Polly Simpson in the college pub, laughing, talking, teasing each other as usual, giggling like kids, which at twenty-three Polly still was, as a matter of fact, and acting otherwise like individuals with something specific on their minds till two in the morning, Frances finally had words with her husband, and her husband wasn't the only one to hear them. Noreen Tucker was the messenger delivering news of this delicate subject over breakfast the next day, having been awakened by the sound of Francis's accelerating displeasure at 2.23 in the morning, and having been kept awake by the sound of Francis's accelerating displeasure till exactly 4.37. That was when a slamming door punctuated Sam's decision to listen no more to his wife's accusations of heartless insensitivity and insidious infidelity. Under other circumstances, an unwilling eavesdropper might have kept her own counsel regarding this overheard marital contretemps, but Noreen Tucker was a woman who liked the spotlight, and since she had so far achieved precious little recognition in her thirty years as a romance writer, she took her bows where she could. That's what she was doing on the morning of the day in question, as other members of the History of British Architecture class gathered to break bread together, in the cavernous dining hall of St. Stephen's College. Dressed in Laura Ashley, and a straw boater in the mistaken belief that projecting youthfulness equated to youthfulness, Noreen imparted the salient details of the Cleary's early morning argument, and she leaned forward with a glance to the right and the left to underscore both the import and the confidential nature of the information she was sharing. I couldn't believe my ears she told her fellow students, in breathless summation. Who looks milder-mannered than Frances Cleary, I ask you? Who? And to believe she even knew such language existed. Why, I was just slayed to hear it, truly. I was completely mortified. I didn't know whether I should knock on the door to quiet her down or go for help, although I can't imagine the porter would have wanted to get involved even if I'd gone for him. And anyway... If I'd actually gotten involved in some way, there was always the chance that Ralph here might have been pushed into the middle of it, trying to defend me, you know? And I couldn't put him at risk, could I? Sam might have asked him to step outside, and Ralph here was in no condition to get into a brawl with anyone. Are you, sweetheart? Ralph here was more a blob in a safari jacket than an actual person, Noreen's shadow and constant companion. 
No one in the history of British architecture class had managed to get more than ten words from the man in the eleven days they'd been in Cambridge, and there were those among the larger group of students taking other classes in St. Stephen's College who swore he was altogether mute. What went for his condition was hypoglycemia, which was the topic Noreen segued into, once she was done dissecting the Cleary marriage and Sam's attraction to the ladies in general, and Polly Simpson in particular. Ralph here, she informed her listeners, was an absolute martyr to the ailment. Low blood sugar was the curse of Ralph here's family, she explained, and he had the worst case of any of them. He'd even passed out once, at the wheel of their car while on the freeway, don't you know. It was only through Noreen's quick thinking, and even quicker acting, that utter disaster was avoided. I grabbed the wheel so fast, you'd think I'd been trained as a rescue professional of some sort, Noreen revealed. It's astonishing, the level we can rise to when the worst happens, don't you agree? As was her bent, she waited for no reply. Instead, she turned to her husband and said, You've got your nuts and chews to take on the outing today, don't you, sweetie, my own? We can't have you passing out cold in the middle of Avenger Manor now, can we? Up in the room, Ralph said, into his bowl of cornflakes. Just make sure you don't leave them there, his wife replied. You know how you are. How you are is henpecked, was the description offered by Cleve Houghton as he joined their table. Ralph needs exercise, not that junk you keep feeding him every time he turns round, Noreen. Speaking of junk, was Noreen's rejoinder, with a meaningful look at the plate he carried, overloaded with eggs, sausage, grilled tomatoes and mushrooms. I wouldn't be so quick to cast stones, Cleve, dear. Surely that can't be good for your arteries? I did eight miles along the backs this morning, he replied, all the way to Cranchester with no heavy breathing, so my arteries are fine, thank you. The rest of you should try some running. Hell, it's the best exercise known to man. He tossed back his hair, thick and dark. It was something a man of fifty could be proud of. And caught sight of Polly Simpson, just entering the dining room. He amended his comments with the second best exercise, and smiled lazily and with hooded eyes in Polly's direction. Noreen tittered. <laughs> Goodness, Cleve, rein yourself in. I believe she's spoken for already, or at least she's spoken about. Noreen used her own comment as introduction to the topic she'd covered before Cleve's appearance on the scene. But she added a few more thoughts this time round, most of them centering on Polly Simpson as a natural-born troublemaker, and someone certainly fingered by Noreen on day one to cause some sort of dissension in their midst. After all, when she wasn't sucking up to their instructor, the better to massage her final grade, no doubt, with exclamations over the beauties in every slide the tiresome woman foisted daily upon her students, she was cozying up to one man or another, in a way that she probably thought of as friendly, but anyone else with a grain of sense would have called outright provocative. What's she actually up to, I ask you? Noreen demanded of anyone who was continuing to listen at this point. There they sit with their heads together, Night after night, she and Sam Cleary. And doing what? 
You can't tell me they're discussing flowers. They are laying their plans for afterwards. Together. You mark my words. Whether the words were marked was something no one commented upon, since Polly Simpson was fast upon her classmates, carrying a tray on which she'd placed a virtuously weight-conscious single banana and a cup of coffee. She wore her camera slung round her neck as usual, and when she set down her tray she strode to the end of the table and focused her shutter on the group at their morning meal. On the afternoon of their first session in the history of British architecture class, Polly had declared to them that she would be the seminar's official historian, and so far she'd been as good as her word. Believe me, you'll want this as a souvenir, she announced each time she caught someone in her lens. I promise, people always like my pictures when they see them. Jesus, Polly, not now, Cleve groused as the girl made adjustments to her lens at the far end of the breakfast table. But he sounded good-natured about his complaint, and no one missed the fact that he ran one hand back through his hair to give it just the sort of G.Q. tousle that promised to make him look thirty again. The whole class isn't present, Polly dear, Noreen said, and surely you want everyone in the picture, don't you? Polly looked around then smiled and said, Well, here's M and Howard showing up. We've got most of the crowd. But surely not the most important people, Noreen persisted, as the other two students joined them. Don't you want to wait for Sam and Francis? Not everyone needs to be in the picture, Polly said, quite as if Noreen...